So I want you to give it up for Pastor Shelly Beecher. My goodness, I've never had an introduction like that. That was awesome. Thank you. Well, it's such an honor to be here tonight. And do you know what I had first on my notes was something very similar because I don't get a chance to be here and hang out with you very much. And you don't get to hear how we feel about Jamie and Sam. So you're just going to have to bear with all this honoring. But that was my first plan as well. I just wanted to take my chance to say how much Kevin and I appreciate these two and how they love you, how they love each other, how they are parents, and that we admire their commitment to ministering the gospel. And I know I don't have to tell you about that. You are blessed to hear from them every week and minister to them all the time. But I just want to honor them. They are so faithful and they are willing to do whatever it takes uh, to be ministers of God. They've sacrificed. They've done um, They've done very hard things to be what, where they are doing, and I just want to commend them in front of you. Would you help me commend them? Let's just give it a Thank you. And I also want to commend all of you. I know there's many leaders that put on tonight, and the reason is is that you putting on a group like this was for somebody like me because it was in a group very much like this that I met Jesus for the first time. When I was in college, my mask is going to drive me crazy. I'm going to probably drive you crazy. I, I'm going to talk it right off my face. You can take it off. So, okay. Oh, thank you, God. Praise you, Jesus. Okay. Yay. Okay. Anyway, it was in a room very much like this that I met Jesus, and it was a group a lot like you guys that I was discipled, that I found out what it meant to be a Christian, what it meant to be loved by God, what it meant to be a child of God. And so the fact that you are here is so important. Please don't make that a small thing. The fact that you are creating a safe place for people to come and hear about the Bible and hear about God on a college campus is a really big deal. And there are people that would really like to know about God, but they're scared or they're nervous. Or maybe, or maybe it kind of goes against maybe what they've always thought all their life. So you guys being so friendly and so accepting and maybe not being ashamed of what you're doing, but maybe inviting people and saying, you know, you don't have to commit to anything. You don't have to profess anything. Just come hang out with us and see what you think. And that's how I got invited. I didn't know what I was getting into. But then after I was at the meeting, someone came to my sorority and talked to me about Jesus. And do you know what I did the first time? She kind of started talking about sin and started talking, and I'm like, whoa, 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 whoa. <laughs> excuse me, you don't call me somebody who sins. And I told her to leave. <laughs> I got really mad and very upset. And um, do you know that that seed of truth started working in my heart? And for it took about a year, but in about a year, I went to someone and begged them. I said, would you please lead me in a prayer so that I can personally know Jesus? And so they helped me to understand that God had made me and that Jesus had died so that I could know him personally and that all the things that had been broken in my life that were wounded, he was going to walk me through, not that day, but that he was going to walk with me every day and lead me where I needed to go, right? And the evidence that something really changed in my life, I'll always remember that. I was in the student union building at the University of Idaho, and I walked through the front doors and as I looked at the people I was passing, it was crazy. It was like I had never seen people before. I was like seeing them, and there was like a regard for them. 
It was like, I'd see, you know, be like, loves her. I mean, and then I'd be like, oh my gosh, look at him. I wonder what his story is. You know, like this interest and regard for people that had not been there before. No way. I mean, people were a means to an end for me. If you made me feel good, fine. If you helped me get where I needed to go, fine. But people were, that's all they were to me. You know, and I would have fancied myself a nice person. But in my heart of hearts, that's all I regarded other people to be. But when, after Jesus came into my life, there was definitely the Holy Spirit. Because now I wasn't seeing people just with my own eyes. And I wasn't feeling for them just with my own heart. There was the Holy Spirit at work in my life. So what you guys do here, who you are here, this opportunity, if you don't know Jesus yet, is pretty powerful. And it can be life-changing. So don't ever grow weary in doing good. Yeah. Thank you for being here. So, anyway. Oh, I didn't even start my time. <laughs> that was just a freebie, I guess. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Well, let's get into Ephesians. I I am a history geek, and I won't bore you with that. I'm very tempted. I would love to talk history with you tonight, but you already get plenty, probably plenty of that. Could you throw up that first slide? Yes. So, but I couldn't resist. I'm like, oh my gosh, let's go see if there's ruins of Ephesus to look at. But um, so I would think, have you guys been talking, those of you who have been here, have you been talking a bit about the city of Ephesus? A little? A little? Okay, what are some of the things you know about it? Okay, excellent. Okay, it's okay. Ephesians lived there. Yes, I love it. Well, Ephesians were primarily Greeks, but this is a port city. So because it was a port city, it had people from all over the place. Right? And all kinds of backgrounds. It also had Jewish people, right? That's who Paul goes to first. But I just think, isn't it cool to look at this and think, wow, Paul probably walked there. This is how kind of, anyway, I just think that's so cool. How about the next one? They preserved this front of a library. This is a very big Greek library. You know, the Greeks love to collect knowledge. So anybody else, I just want to know who my peeps are. Anybody else get excited, like, when they see this? Yes! <laughs> and would it be cool to... All right, yeah, wouldn't it be cool to go and walk the walk of Paul? That would just be cool. Anyway, I digress. Okay, but it is very important to keep in mind who Paul is talking to when he's writing this letter because of the diversity that he would have been speaking to. He's talking, imagine the job the apostles had. Here they're, they're bringing in their Jewish brothers and sisters who have always thought of being set apart. And then after they get that great vision in Acts 10, now the gospel is for everybody, not just God's special people, but now everybody. And all those different worldviews and all those different religions that they're coming out of and ways of life. And Paul is trying to introduce them to Jesus and what it means to be in Christ. He's got a big job. And that's why he's going to bring up this big theme of unity in Ephesians 4. So let's go. If you have a Bible of some kind with you, Follow along, but it's going to be up here on the screen. Am I in the way of it, though? Oh, okay. As a prisoner for the Lord, then, I urge you to live a life worthy of the calling you have received. Be completely humble and gentle. Be patient, bearing with one another in love. Make every effort to keep the unity of the Spirit through the bond of peace. There is one body, one Spirit, just as you were called to one hope when you were called, one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all who's over all and through all and in all. But to each one of us, grace has been given as Christ apportioned it. This is why it says, when he ascended on high, he took many captives and gave gifts to his people. 
What does he ascended mean except that he also descended to the lower earthly regions? He who descended is the very one who ascended higher than all the heavens in order to fill the whole universe. So Christ himself gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the pastors and teachers to equip his people for works of service so that the body of Christ may be built up until we all reach unity in the faith and in the knowledge of the Son of God and become mature, attaining to the whole measure of the fullness of Christ. Then we will no longer be infants tossed back and forth by the waves and blown here and there by every wind of teaching, by the cunning and craftiness of people in their deceitful scheming. Instead, speaking the truth in love, we will grow to become in every respect the mature body of him who is the head that is Christ. From him, the whole body, joined and held together by every supporting ligament, grows and builds itself up in love as each part does its work. Ooh, some good stuff there. There's so much in this passage, but tonight we are going to focus on how it speaks to unity. So prior to this, in the first three chapters, Paul has been primarily informational. But now in chapter 4, we're going to change to a whole different focus. Now he's going to get more specific with us. He's going to give us some ways to live in order that we can do this call of unity that God has commanded for us. So unity is a gift. The first thing we need to know about unity tonight, it is a gift he gives his people. Help me by saying gift. Yes, it's a gift that God gives us. In verse 3, it says, make every effort to keep the unity of spirit through the bond of peace. So we notice here that it doesn't say, okay, you guys, work hard, create some unity, or come together. And, you know, I don't know, it makes you think of Kumbaya. But anyway, does anybody even know about that song anymore? Oh, okay, there's some nods out there. Anyway, so when I think of this, the reason that God, we don't need to drum it up, is because God in himself, his character is unity. When you think of the Trinity, God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit, it's a mystery, the Trinity, you know, three in one, but all preferring one another. Not one dominates the other. They all submit to each other. It's really beautiful. So by knowing God and having God as a relationship in your life, we don't need to seek unity. Just by being in Christ, we have the gift of unity. Through the Holy Spirit, we possess unity, just right like that. Right. And, um, and so we're going to talk about our part, which is keeping that unity. We right. don't create it. We, our job is to keep it. Right. And how do we do that? It, first, we surrender to Christ. That's our first job. If we're not unified with God, then none of this works. So in verse 4, he says this, there is one body, one spirit, just as you were called to one hope when you were called, one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all, who is over all and through all and in all. This is so important that we recognize this can only be done through Jesus, because that's how God set it up. And most importantly, the reason we want it to be true is because only God knows you and I perfectly. Only God will love us perfectly. There's nothing, there is no uh, career you can get. There's no relationship you can have. There is nothing that will satisfy you or make you whole except for a personal relationship in Jesus. And tell me, I'll tell you, I've tried other things, even as a Christian. You know, I sometimes look at being a parent to fulfill me. Or I look at being liked by everybody 
to fulfill me, or um, how people view me, or those things are no substitute. They're empty, vain goals that will disappoint. But when we are unified with God, all the things that we need are right there. Um, David wrote it in his psalm, right? In the presence of my enemies, I have everything I need. My cup is full to the point of overflowing. There is an abundance in our relationship with God that we can find in nothing else, right? And so it's so important. And the other thing about it is I think that we can get confused as Christians is that sometimes we pick up causes, you know, or we pick up identities, and then we put them more important than God. And that's a, a, a cause for disunity in the church even right now. There are some injustices. There are things that are broken. There are things that need to get fixed. But they will not be fixed by us putting all of our energies into those things. We don't dismiss them. They're still important. But they're non-essential to salvation. First and foremost, we need to preach salvation. And when people become one with God, they will see as God sees. They will love like God loves. And we can address those problems. But right. we can't address them first. Right. We, it doesn't work in the reverse. Unity is kept with humility and honor. Let's look at verse 2. Be completely humble and gentle. Be patient, bearing with one another in love. Immediately, I'm convicted when I live... Anybody do this just perfectly today? You were just completely humble and gentle with everyone. Just oh, so patient. Just bearing was amazing. Long oh, Dave, I don't doubt that, Dave. That's wonderful. I think that that's wonderful. And I'm not saying it's impossible, but the good news is, is the Holy Spirit, when we're taught on the Holy Spirit, right, the fruit of it is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, and self-control. All that we need to keep unity is within the spirit. But you and I are human, right? And we break <laughs> cooperation with the spirit, don't we, during the day. And so this is something that we have to ask God to fill us with, right? To yield. And um, But I want to point something out. What it isn't, bearing with one another isn't dismissing sin. See, I don't think unity is always broken by a bunch of people fighting. I think often unity is broken because people don't address things. They get offended, or they have an issue with someone else, or they know that they shouldn't be turning a blind eye to something. Now listen, I hate conflict. Can I tell you this is, I've been so slow to even, I'm like, I can't believe I'm even talking to you about this. I'm such a horrible sinner in this category, okay? I love everybody to be happy. First and foremost, no, not first and foremost. Anyway, God's working on me, he's working on me. <laughs> right, but so I tell you this, it's been hard learned, but it is not real unity. It's not real unity if you and I have something between us, right? It's false. It's fakey. There's nothing worse than inauthentic Christians. Nothing, right? And so God desires us to address things, but we must address them in love. Right. And that's why a lot of us are scared to do it is because people have addressed issues with us and they've been mean and they've been cruel or they've been dismissive. Right? But if we do this in love, it can be some of the best things we ever do. I've seen amazing things happen when people love each other enough to talk something through. Right? And if you need a guide in that, Galatians 6, Matthew 18, I can't, don't have time to go through all of them, but I'll tell you the two things that they say. First and foremost, you go to the person. Right. You don't go to your buddy and complain and whine why this person is such a mess. 
right? You go directly to them and you pray it up and you go led of the spirit and you go with them in mind. I have sit on my heart and I want her to be honored by what we're talking about, even if I have to say a hard thing, right? And then I listen and let them, and you'll probably be amazed by their perspective and go, oh snap, I haven't been 100% great myself. And you own, you own, even if it's, you are 99.7% right. You own that percentage, you own it. Don't sit there and go, well, yep, you need to get your stuff together. No, it's like, yes, thank you, I will, I will work on that, right? And then, if it doesn't work well, then you find somebody who loves the both of you, then you bring in a third person, right? And usually that will go well, right? Somebody that loves you both, or could love you both, right? That is, is a mature person that could hear both sides and not get caught up in it, right? And help you mediate. You need to know very mature questions need a mediator. Yeah. It's not a shameful thing. Yeah. It's, it's how God set it up to work. It's in his word. So if you need someone to help you work something through, it's worth it. Too often we just break unity, we leave the group, or we just never talk to that person again, and the unity of Christ is broken. And I'm sorry, as an adult in your life, I apologize on behalf of the church to you. We've modeled this over and over to you. But it's not the way of Jesus. Notice Paul and Barnabas. They have a dispute in the Bible, right? They even part ways. They don't part fellowship. They just didn't agree. They went different ways. They disagreed, but they didn't break fellowship with one another. They still honored one another. They still ministered. They'd send people to each other, right? You know, and that kind of brings me to my next point. Man, I was really preachy. I kind of went mom on you there. But anyway, <laughs> Aiden's probably like, I've heard a few of these things before. But anyway, it's good. so <laughs> unity is not uniformity. It's not all of us being the same, thinking the same, quite the contrary. Just as Sam already told us, the picture of the church is it has all kinds of different colors. It has all kinds of different cultures. It's people from every walks of life. What's that? I love it. Thank you. Yeah, don't be afraid to yell stuff out. That's great. You guys have great things. Right, not cookie cutters. God has purposely made you. And I know it's too bad that the term snowflake has such a negative connotation. I'm not using it in that connotation. Snowflake in the uniqueness. There's never ever a same snowflake, right? God, isn't that cool? In his creation, he went to all the trouble that every ice crystal that falls from the sky is different. I promise you, he's worked hard to make you uniquely you. Be you. Don't be ashamed of it. Be who God's made you to be, right? And, um, I saw this story that really gave me great encouragement. <laughs> I'll just share it real quick. Could you put up that sign? Yeah, thank you. This is, this is actually two neighbors. One of them has a Trump sign out in their yard, and the other one has a Biden sign out in the yard. And they were so concerned that their other neighbors were getting the wrong idea about them because these two families have dinner every night together. They go to their kids' sports events. They love each other. So they made these extra signs. We love them. And we love them, even though I wish the picture had the Biden and the Trump side. But anyway, I love this message. They do not have the same opinion about what we should do politically. And can I just let you know, that is a non-essential, meaning that does not bear on salvation. That decision, it's an important decision. Pray about it. Do as God leads you. But please don't let that break unity with other Christians. 
please? Right? It's not, it's not on that list. One God, one faith, one baptism, one spirit. It's not on that list. There's not one president. Okay? So, being that being the case, I love that these guys, but they both probably feel very strongly that they're right. And they probably both are right. I mean, honestly, there's, anyway. But, you know, so they, but they respect each other. And that's the key, isn't it? We keep unity by honoring each other and respecting different perspectives. And you know, life is so rich when you're willing to learn about different perspectives. There's not one way to parent. There's not one way to do a job. There's not one way. There's a myriad of ways. And I've learned so much by being open. When I've been closed off, that's a very lonely life. But when I'm open to new perspectives, now we keep the essentials the essentials. One salvation, one baptism, one woman right? But that's a short list. There's a lot of things to be open-handed about. You watch movies I don't have the grace to watch, right? You do TikTok. I have no grace for that. I'm just kidding. I don't know if you do. And it's fine. I'm just trying to be funny. It's so hard. I'm just, I'm 50. I don't have any jokes you'll get. Okay, so anyway, I'm, I'm running low on time, but let's look here at the last bit of the passage. What, in verse 7, I think it is, Oh, 11. Um, in verse 11, God even tells us how he purposely gifts different things to the church so that we can, through our unity, accomplish mission. Right. I know a lot of people say, oh, it's so sad. There's all these different denominations. I don't think that that's true. I think God loves that there's different expressions. I love that our body of Christ is expressed in all these different churches. And I cheer all those churches on. If they're preaching the gospel of Jesus, Go for it. I hope everyone is bursting at the seams because not one church can meet all the needs of our community or our state or our nation or the world. It's going to take everyone. And I can't imagine us all being united. Who would be the pastor over all of that? As a pastor's wife, I, that does not sound fun. <laughs> to have millions and millions of people, that doesn't work, right? So that's why we have all these different churches and expressions. It helps people see God in those different expressions right? But each of those churches has a mission. And I wonder about region. All of you represent different gifts. Some of you are apostles and prophets and evangelists, pastors, teachers, right? And then there's other lists of gifts. Some of you are craftsmen. Some of you are called to counsel and care for people. There's all these different gifts that are represented here. I'm curious what God has gathered you together to do. I know it's more than just gathering on a Thursday night, which is wonderful. I already thanked you for it, right? You have to be here. That safe place for someone to land. But there is something God's uniquely called you to do that your unity will produce. It's worth asking God about. It really is. So Christ himself gave us those things. And the reason is, it picks up again in verse 13, until we all reach unity. As we take on our mission, we're in unity. That allows people to be discipled in the truth, into that one God, into the one spirit, into the one baptism, right? As we obey God in that unity, and people see us love each other despite all of our diversity, despite that we don't always agree. When they, when, and we know that this was really important to Christ. There's a beautiful picture, right? I'm not going to read it again. But here, you know, it says people become mature. We become a whole body joined and held together. Wow, I mean, that something like that could accomplish something. 
right? Something like that could build the kingdom of God. And we know this is very much on the heart of Jesus because in his last moments, what did he pray for? John tells us in John 17. Let's look at that real quick. It says, I, Jesus, I just thought I'd emphasize that because we're jumping in, have given them the glory that you gave me, that they may be one as we are one. He's talking to the Father, right? I in them and you in me, so that they may be brought to complete unity. Then the world, then the world will know that you sent me and have loved them even, even as you have loved me. So when we walk in unity, it helps others find God, right? That's what it's all about. So it's not because unity in and of itself isn't really necessarily a good thing. Think throughout history. People have unified over some pretty scary stuff. Yeah? yeah. Unity isn't really a thing until it's qualified by something. Right. And here God is saying, unity in Jesus, right. in Christ. Right. That's a unity that will change the world. Right. So I'm just going to pray for you guys just real quick. And then I think, and then I'll turn it over to Sam. But let's talk to, to God together. Jesus, I... Love that in your last moments on earth, well, you were, of course, thinking of us, because that's all you ever did. You were completely selfless. God, you laid down your life so that we could know the Father, that we could be co-heirs with you, that we would have eternity, that we would know what it could be like to be patient, to be kind, to love, to do all those things, because you left so that your spirit could come. And so, God, we want to live a life worthy, as it says in that first verse. God, help us to live a life worthy of your sacrifice. Help us to not grow weary in doing good. Help us to desire to, to really keep unity. Help us to not dismiss each other or, or be uh, susceptible to bitterness. God, protect us from those things that break unity. God, and help us to be a people that unite in you to do something that really brings you glory. God, we want to put the spotlight on you so people see you. Help us to be the walking billboards that say God is love and he loves you. Help us, Jesus, in your precious name. Amen. Amen. Guys, can we give it up for Pastor Shelley Jesus? That's, that's a good word. So, um, we are going to be dividing up into uh, our small groups. We we have a couple of groups, but so and we're going to ask a couple of questions. Um, so the first question is: Tell of a time someone loved you well by telling you the truth in love, or brought constructive criticism. What about their approach honored you? So think about that. When when was the time that somebody did that? Or Tell of a time that God had you share the truth in love with someone, and how were you able to bring honor to the person you confronted? How are you? If you need to take a screenshot, take a shot of that. Like take take a picture. So the, this is the big thing, it's, and the and of course the first, the questions that we always ask at Regenerate Two are: first of all, was there anything confusing about this passage? And then secondly, where do you see the gospel? Because if you'll notice, one of the things is, that's powerful about this is all of this is fueled by the gospel of Jesus Christ. His life, his death, his resurrection. So here's, and here's the next question. So what, what do you feel Regen has been, has been brought together to do? 
So if we're talking about unity in Christ, what have we been brought together to do? What ideas do you have uh, that we could together as a group minister, uh, that we, we could, we could to do together as a group to minister? Yeah. 